No, but... Cheers. from Toon Talk Radio on this lovely, crisp, cold night in Gateshead near Newcastle. Well, uh, it, should, it should be a fun-packed show tonight. Uh, the show can be reached by www.toontalk.co.uk or you can actually call in the show 0191 538 9781 or if you're in, out and about, just walking around and you want to listen to the show via your handheld device, just go to Google Play and click in www.novaradio.co.uk and you can listen to our wondrous guest tonight on all things Newcastle, all things Sunderland and all things Misborough. Well, uh, it was an interesting weekend for all of our North East teams. Uh, probably the only one that did well was, um, was Middlesbrough out of everybody, I believe. So, uh, But we'll start as we, uh, with the breaking news and I want to welcome my Regular guest this evening, and that's uh, Neil Mitchell calling from Dubai. Good evening, Neil. How are you? Crisp cold night. You can speak for yourself, mate. I'm fine, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. It's always wonderful in Dubai, isn't it? But uh, And I've also got my main guest this evening, and that's uh, Scott Wilson, the chief sports writer for the Northern Echo. Northern Echo. Good evening. Scott, yeah, how are you? Uh, uh, good, good stuff. Thanks, thanks, Scott, for being on the show. Uh, obviously, Scott's a regular on the show. He's been on a couple of times now. No, um, the, the, the first thing I'm going to bring up uh, is probably the, the surprise. I must admit, when I found out today, it's been uh, bubbling under the surface. But the breaking news, obviously, is David Moyes looks like he's heading to West Ham. Uh, as his um, last job at Sunderland seemed to be with rancor and derision... Um, you you have you have to think that him going to West Ham is up there as the most strangest appointments uh, to be had in in the Premier League today. But g- give us your take on it. Obviously, we'll get to Sunderland, we'll, we'll get to Sunderland, Middlesbrough, and Newcastle as well. So, tell me, what was your thoughts when you're you're hearing that? And give us give us a your take on what David Moyes is like. Well. Very similar, to, very similar to yourself, Andrew. Actually, I mean, I was at the Newcastle game on Saturday, and um, and obviously, you know, the, the Billich has um, Billich has kind of been close to the exit door for quite a while now. So, you know, stuff was swirling around. But it, it was Saturday when I first kind of heard the Moyes name mentioned, and I've got to admit, kind of like you, I, I kind of laughed it off at first, thinking, well, I can't imagine they're going to go down that route. And then, obviously, by Saturday night, it was becoming pretty clear that that um, it was pretty much a done deal. So. Um, I think he's very, very fortunate to be getting another Premier League job. You know, 
don't underestimate that how good a job he did at Everton. That's fair enough. That's kind of in the bank for him. But you know, that's a fair while ago now, and since then he's obviously he's had the spell at Manchester United. Okay, it was always going to be difficult to be the man after Sir Alex Ferguson there, but but it obviously didn't go well. He, he then had the spell in Spain, which clearly didn't go well either. Um, he then goes to Sunderland, and and you know, it had a pretty disastrous season all, all in. I mean, you know, you can you can you can say that. You know, as a club, Sunderland have got a lot of deep, deeply entrenched problems and issues. And David Moyes is by far from, you know, he's not the only manager who, who struggled to make it work at Sunderland. But having said all of that, um, it, it was still a pretty miserable season last season. Um, and David Moyes has to carry a lot of the can for that, both in terms of his signings, his selections, and, and just his general demeanour right throughout his reign, which I think is what kind of stuck in the crowd more Sunderland fans that, you know, it, it, it felt and, and he was almost saying that, that he was writing them off for relegation before they'd barely kicked the ball last season. So, um, am I surprised that, he, that he's going to be the West Ham boss? Yes. Um, will he be able to make a success of it? Well, on the evidence of last season, you'd struggle to see why. I mean, you know, historically his teams have generally been pretty well organised, but you, you couldn't say that about Sunderland for a lot of last season. So... Um, you know, I, funnily enough, I, I know two or three West Ham fans, season ticket holders, quite well through through um, through my family on the wife's side, and um, I think it's fair to say they're less than enamoured about the, uh, the the decision to appoint David Moyes. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it's quite patent with hindsight <coughs> now uh, that Moyes was having plenty to say about the West Ham job on television over here over the weekend, mm. um, and it's quite patent, in my opinion, he obviously already spoke to them. And and I think it, it it just it stinks, you know. It, it, what's he done to justify getting that role? And I think that it, for me that ends this whole argument about all oh, British coaches and this that and the other. Mm. Um, people keep going back to the same old, same old. Yeah. And, and actually, what's he done since he left Everton? Well, not a lot really. Yeah. I don't and think he, he was abysmal in Spain. He he, he came into Sunderland job just like you said. His, he almost his first interview was, well, we're in a dogfight, lads, we're going to go down. And, and he set the tone for the whole year. I mean, what kind of managerial tactic is that? It's bizarre, isn't it, Scott? It is, yeah, it is. And, you know, it, it, it just felt very, very downbeat with him from, from the word go last season. Um, you know, he, Sunderland needed a lift when he came in, um, and, and they didn't get that. They also needed organisation and motivation on the field, and, and, and they didn't really get that either. You know, it, it, um, it was a pretty slow, lingering death for, for, for Sunderland in terms of their Premier League existence for most of last season. Um, and, you know, I take your point about it kind of, you know, the argument British managers never get a chance. Well, you know, here's a British manager who keeps on getting coming round again. I think, I think what you could say is young British managers don't get a chance and, and, and why? Well because clubs more often than not take the safety first option and, and, and go for someone like David Moyes you know I mean um, it, it, look look you know look at Everton okay you know Sean if they if they go for Sean Dice then okay that's someone getting mm. the chance to, mm. to potentially move up, up the ladder if you like but I mean if they, you know if, if they go for Sam Allardyce there's another kind of get us out of this for a season, then, then what does that say about young English managers getting a chance, in, in, you know, with Premier League clubs? Makes a mockery of it all, really, it does. And the next, if that's the kind of appointment Everton make, um, you know, in my opinion, are they not better off giving 
somebody with a big affinity with the club like Unsworth a chance. Say, right, go at the end of the season and let's see what you can do. He certainly cannot do much worse than what the previous incumbent was doing. Mm. And, the, and he seems to have the backing of the squad, which seems to, which does make a big difference in the dressing room. Yeah. And, and I mean, the uh, thing with, with West Ham and Moyes is, you know, for all that West Ham are struggling and the move to that new stadium clearly hasn't really worked, mm. they still are, you know, a, a London club with owners who generally spend a bit of money in a stadium that, rightly or wrongly, is you know getting on for sixty thousand. If you could make that work, it could be sensational. Mm. You know they should mm. be able to pull some of the top managers in this country, some of the top managers in, in Europe, and yet and yet they're ending up with David Moyes. It's I must say, well, it's it's not the worst. The worst thing is if he if he starts off, you can imagine, can't you? You can imagine it. Um, He's lucky he's got the international break. That's for one. But I can't imagine it being a long-term thing. But you know, the West Ham board—you never know what they're going to put up with. Like you know, he's got his son that's mainly on that, telling every who they're going to be by and stuff. So, and plus, I think when somebody brought up, I think he had an interview with uh, Guy Lineker, and somebody brought up as well. Normally, when they make a change. Um, the statistics show that it's not. It, there's not much of an effect, and the owner said, "Oh well, uh, the, the results I've got, the stats I've got, show that's not true." So he was clearly looking. Even then, this is like a month, a month and a half ago, and the results have improved. But you know, it, they're they're very an unforgiving crowd down there. It's, uh, you know, it's you know, I think now it's because it, there's too many of them for one. But um, they just seem, it's like a, a frenzy of, oh, I can't even explain it. It's just, you, you hear them and obviously they want success, but they, they you know, they just beat, not many people beat Tottenham in the, in the cup and they did. And, mm. you know, they then came close. They would have, they, they nearly beat, uh, I think it was Crystal Palace, I think, wasn't it? Um, in the last, the last seconds, bringing up the Liverpool game. Obviously he's lost a few games, but... Uh, to to bring in David Moyes is the height of it's yeah. just it's, it's an absolute joke. But get, talking about a joke, um, <laughs> it's awful to say, it, isn't it? But um, you've got you know you know I know you went to the game on Saturday, but mm. when it, even tonight they're being linked with Phil Neville, and you know any and I keep on hearing jo, you this on telling me they're that John O'Shea has been lined up. Now, that would make a lot of sense if they bring in Phil Neville. What, what's your take quickly on Sunderland? Because obviously then we'll get Newcastle. Yeah. Because Sunderland is, just seem to be teetering so much on the brink. But oh, they are. I mean, I, 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 I did both games this weekend. I, I did the uh, Newcastle game on Saturday and then I was at the, oh, yeah. um, at the Riverside yesterday. And, you know... Like, Sunderland need to get this right because make no mistake about it as I kind of wrote today you know Sunderland can go down Sunderland can go down to League One if they're not careful you know you don't get to nearly the middle of November and be bottom of the table by accident Um, you know they've won one game in 16 so you know a lot of people have this notion that well you know they, they should be way better than they are they've got the players they should be doing this Yes, they probably should be in a higher position than they are, but the fact is that they're not. And if they're not careful, then they get cut adrift down there and goodness only knows where that ends. So 
they need to get this appointment right. Um, John O'Shea has been the favourite for the while, for a while now. Um, from what I'm hearing, yes, he may have a more prominent role in, a, in some kind of a coaching setup, but I, I don't think that he's going to be the manager. I think, I think they realise that there's a need for a more experienced figure um, to drive this forward. Um, so I, I'd be, I, I would be surprised if O'Shea was the manager. It, it wouldn't surprise me if he was part of a wider coaching setup. Um, so where do they go? I, I mean, <clears throat> you know, I, they're, they're, speak, they're, they're looking at a number of different options. They're speaking to a number of different people. I think they're going to use this week to try and get, get a kind of shortlist of two or three together, and then they'll look to try and really make progress over the weekend and have someone in by the start of next week. Um, I still think that it might, it'll end up being someone like um, a McLeish or a Lambert, um, someone like that, probably who's out of work, who's got quite extensive experience of the championship, who will go in there and, and not be too fazed by um, the atmosphere at the club that they're walking into and the fact that they're going to a side that's bottom of the table. Um, I mean, Ali McCoy keeps getting mentioned. Um, and I think that, you know, Martin Bain, for the last appointment, took quite a lot of advice from Walter Smith and people who he knows north of the border. That obviously led them to McInnes. That didn't happen. Um, it wouldn't surprise me at all if they're using that as a sounding board again. So, you know, I, I think there will be a degree of interest in potentially someone like Ali McCoy. Um, Aitor Karanka is another name that's been mentioned. Yeah, um, I, I, I think there is interest again there. Um, but I think that Aitor Karanka is being very picky about where he goes in. I think he will think there could be six or seven championship jobs come up between now and the end of the season. Is Sunderland the best one for me? Um, uh, from speaking to people last week, I suspect he's going to seek assurances that he probably can't get at the minute from Martin Bain and Ellis Short because obviously, you know, um, as Ellis Short kind of said in his interview on Friday, OK, the club's not officially for sale yet, but he's more than willing to speak to people if they're credible and willing to put money on the table. So, you know, it's a very unstable backstory at the minute, mm. but they need someone who can go in there and, and pretty much get things going immediately because, y you know, if, if this goes on for another month, then you're going into Christmas potentially with them six, seven, eight points adrift of relegation. I was going to say, I've, I've got one of my regular guests well, on this show as well, and, and, can, and can Gary just, Foster as well. I, go ahead, can, Neil. Can I just jump in there? Just one, yeah. one thing I've got to see, and you mentioned it, is that interview with Ellis Short. Mm. Um, what an absolutely bizarre in interview! Did, did did you not find some of his comments quite quite odd for somebody who's got a club in that position? Yeah, I I think I mean the first thing you know, Sunderland fans have, have had a range of different things to say about that kind of interview. I think the first thing is you've got to say that it's a positive thing that he did it. You know, yeah. um, he's he's got an awful lot of flag, as has Mike Ashley at Newcastle for just being yeah. totally and utterly. Um, you know, withdrawn away from it. Don't don't do anything. So, you know, it's not like it's not the same as sitting in a in a press conference where anybody can ask questions. Clearly, it, it was a club interview, so mm. or certain things were said, certain things weren't said. But still, you know, fair play to him for doing that. Now, the one thing that I thought as a positive was I thought that is is kind of it felt authentic. He's clearly quite passionate about it. He's clearly annoyed at the criticism he's been getting, both from us in the media and from the fans. 
Um, that's clearly needled him. That's probably a good thing. Um, he feels the need to defend himself on what he's done. You know, that's fair enough. It's undeniable that he's sunk a hell of a lot of money into that football club. But then it, he almost couldn't help himself. And you're right, you know, when, mm. when he starts talking about a top seven club in the Premier League and there's no reason why, once we stabilise, we can't kick on and do this. You know, you've got to say, look, if, if this doesn't go right, Sunderland can quite conceivably be in League One next season. So before you start thinking about anything like that, you need to bottom this out and steady the ship. And I think, you know, he just almost couldn't stop himself, could he? No. Yeah, I, obviously, Gary Foster is one of my regular guests every week now. Uh, well, Gary, it, you know, you're listening to Scott there. What's your thoughts on it? Um, pretty much similar to Scott's, really. Um, I don't think there was any need for him to see the about the seventh place Premier League finish that's a hell of a long way off. Um yeah, it it did he did they did manage two seventh places finishes a long time ago now. But um like Scott says probably put put the house in order first before you start reaching for the stars, which seventh is at the minute for Sunderland. Um in terms of the new possible new gaffer, um I find it bizarre and frustrating, but sadly not surprising, that they've sacked Simon Grayson, and now they're going through possible managerial candidates, which suggests there, were, there wasn't a plan B in place when they sacked Grayson, but that doesn't surprise me, because that's Sunderland Football Club all over. Scott, did, did, you, did, did you have any information that they, they, you thought that they would have somebody lined up, especially if they, they sacked him within half an hour after the final whistle? Well, I mean, like, like, like Gary says, it's, uh, it's sadly kind of par for the course in the way that Sutherland's been run over the last decade, really, that, um, that you know, a, a succession of bad decisions have been made, followed by incredibly worse ones. So, does it surprise me? Not really. Um, I, I mean, I guess the one thing you would say is they have timed it so that they've got the international break, so at least they've done that, so it's they're not doing it in a run where they've got four games in two weeks or something, and it and it, and it's sort of you know they do have this window now. But um, you know, as Gary says, you would have liked to have think that the succession planning would have been a bit further down the line than than it, it, it seems to be at the moment. You know, um, I mean, I'm certainly not getting the indication that there'll be an appointment say within the next 24 hours or so. So you know, if, if you're a manager going into a club, then you, you would want as much of this international break to be working with your players as, as you can, I would have thought. Yeah, I think I've been, I've been surprised because obviously we heard Lambert being mentioned. There's another guy, I think, from Shrewsbury being mentioned as well. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, there's, a number of, there's a number of kind of young up-and-coming managers in the Football League who either have expressed an interest or, or who were understood to be interested Shrewsbury, um, yeah, you've you've got um, Cook at Wigan. You've got the um, the manager at Luton was kind of being mentioned today. You know, I, I think all of those will be interesting. And I think if Sunderland were in a better position, you'd look at that and say, Do you know what, that's a, a really kind of progressive. Yeah, let, let's get someone like that in and get a few new ideas and then see if they can build this club up. I'm, I personally, though, I, I'm just not sure that a manager like that would be able to walk into what he would be walking into in Sunderland and be able to deal with it from the word go, you know, because you've got to, you've got to get that dressing room on board. You've, you've, got to, you've got to stop the rot somehow, but you've also got to deal with, you know, whether they like it or not, that first press conference, we're going to be asking them, 
this club hasn't won a home game for 10 or 11 months, how on earth do you turn that round? The minute they kick off their next home game, if they go one down after 10, 15 minutes, then, you know, that is the issue that's at stake. And I think you've got, I think it needs a bit of experience probably to deal with. I don't know what Gary thinks, but if, if suddenly they were in a better position, I would be all day long saying, yeah, go for someone young, up and coming and a bit different. But I'm just not sure at the moment that, you know, this, it's a big, big job someone's walking into here. Okay. Yeah, um, well, you completely agree. Just, the thing is, you've, you've got to a stage now where they, they brought somebody in in Grayson, which we thought was a tried and tested hand in the championship, and thought he was going to steady the ship, if nothing spectacular, but at least steady the ship, and he wasn't able, even able to do that, sadly. Um, I've seen all the Nathan Jones at Luton Town, which I don't really know anything about. Obviously, there's Paul Hurst at Shrewsbury again. Not seeing a great deal of Shrewsbury, so I couldn't possibly comment. And then you get the you get the old boys club, really, don't you? It's like the Lambert goes from club to club, etc. And it's just it's hard to know where to turn at the minute. I mean, I saw one uh, one report today saying Phil Neville's basically throwing his hat in the ring. I mean, is that a good idea, given the, what they did in Spain? Or would they do a better job over here? I just don't know. I mean, it literally is. Nobody seems which, which way is the best way to turn. Um, whether do you, do you take a massive, massive gamble and go for somebody up and coming and hoping that their enthusiasm and passion and maybe um, different way of doing things is going to halt the slide or do you go for experienced CF fans because we've, we've had those experienced CF fans I mean surely David Moyes was experienced CF fans surely Simon Grayson was experienced mm. CF fans and they've slipped through both of those experienced CF fans to find themselves in the position they're in so it's a difficult one really yeah. I was going to say Scott it's the, the problem is and probably a question for Gary as well but the, the problem is there's 23,000 currently going, uh, you know, I'm sure that's inflated as well, but there's 23,000 going, Scott, mm. and you've got this idiot owner on a par with Mr. Ashley. He's turning around and he's saying top six, top seven, right? Now, as a Sunderland fan, I'm, no, I'm not a Sunderland fan, and, you know, but as any fan, you hear that, and that idiot doesn't have a plan B for any manager to come in and he wants to sell a club. It's been up, up for sale forever and ever and amen. He comes out and he says that. Now, if, if, just imagine if you're, you're an undecided fan hmm. who is thinking, yeah, you know what, I'll keep, we'll keep on going. We're bound to, something's going to happen. We're bound to get, we might get a goal. We, we, might, get on, we might get on a run. But you're 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 a fan. You're sitting there thinking, uh, how much how much ecstasy has he been taken? Because yeah, you, well, you, I mean, it's a different. You know, I I feel sympathy for Sunderland fans for a whole host of different reasons, but mm. it's a it's a kind of difficult one at the minute because you know, um, they've they've kind of been singing against Ellis Shaw and against the owner for for a number of months, almost slash years, really, but. You know, the, the brutal reality is Ellis Short would sell tomorrow if someone yeah. would pay him anything remotely near what, what, what he was asking for. Um, you know, the, there, was the, there was the talks with this German group in the summer. Mm. Um, you know, he was very strong, wasn't he, in his interview on Friday saying, look, you know, 
things would have been much worse if they if they'd come in. I I know what was actually being talked about. I know who these people were. Um, you know, I, I mean, the suggestions I was hearing in the summer was that you know we weren't talking about a consortium with with you know mil- billions and millions of pounds of backing coming in with money to spend. I, you know, I, I don't think that kind of thing was ever on the table. So. I think to a degree you've probably got to take him at face value there and, 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 and kind of take his word for that. So, you know, there's not a knight in shiny armour just waiting around the corner to come in. That's the difficulty with Sunderland at the minute. And, you know, you can kind of bitch and moan about Ellis Shaw all you want, but the fact is at the minute, if he, if he doesn't continue to prop the club up, then it probably eventually ends up in administration. And, you know, people want him to sell. Well, I think he wants to, he wants to be out as much as anybody else. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting. It's gonna, it sounds like it's going to run and run and run, and they've got the, they've got they've got the national group coming up, so uh, they've, they've got plenty. They've got a bit of time to get somebody. I think it's. I have to say, if they if they bring in uh, what's his name, um, Fizzer, um, Gary, not, not Gary Neville, but uh, Philip Neville. Neville. If they bring in Philip Neville with John O'Shea, Southern fans they're basically giving up because. Nothing has been heard about Mr. Neville when he was he was at Valencia. He did nothing, you know. He's he's probably a better pundit than what he is than anything else. And you know, he, it's not surprising that he wants he wants to get back in. A little bit surprised that he hasn't waited for his for his old buddy uh, Moisey to get stuck in and um, you know decide to, to if he if he wants to bring him in. But um, you know, I'm sure it'll shake I'm sure it'll shake up the, the sinner sort of thing quite soon. But I think when it comes to Newcastle, you were there. Um, I must admit, I'm raging um, about what happened uh, on, on, on Saturday. Um, probably the first time since Rafa has been here. But give me, give me your take uh, uh, first, Scott, and then obviously uh, um, Gary. Then. So, my, I, my take on it is that the way that Rafa kind of sets up his team, the way that Newcastle have played pretty much all season, Newcastle are going to be involved in and have been already involved in an awful lot of games like Saturday where two evenly matched teams, um, you know, not not an awful lot of um, not an awful lot between them. The number of games Newcastle have been in this season already that have been nil nil after say an hour, um, you know, and that that's just kind of the way that they are. So inevitably, if, if, if that's the way that things are set up, you're going to win an odd one, you're going to lose an odd one, and some are going to finish 0-0. And that's kind of the way Newcastle season's been, really. Um, and they were just on the wrong side of it at the weekend, weren't they? They should have put the game to bed in the first 20 mm. minutes. You know, for all I've said that, they actually created more chances in that first 20 minutes than in probably two or three of their games put together this season. Um, there's, the, you know, there's the offside goal... I, I think, like most people, he was probably just about on, wasn't he? But um, it, it, it's not a horrendous decision by the lines. It's very tight, but it's probably a, a, the wrong decision. Um, having said that, you know, Jocelyn snatched a couple of chances. Their keepers made a couple of good saves. Bournemouth have, have grown into the game. I thought for the last half hour, Bournemouth probably were the better side. Um, Newcastle obviously think they get away with it in the 89th minute with the shot that hits the post, and then they just switch off from a corner and, and, and Cook puts the winner in. So, you know, not great, not horrendous, but if, 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 you, if you set up your side to be tight, difficult to break down, 
but you're not necessarily going to score a lot of goals. And, you know, that's becoming evident that that is probably Newcastle's biggest weakness, that they do not have that striker who can guarantee them a glut of goals. Then, if, you, you know, if you're going to be involved in those close games, then every now and then you're going to lose one like that. Yeah. I mean, Gary, I, I, before I bring in Neil. Sorry, well, I again completely agree with Scotland. He didn't get what he wanted in terms of strikers in the summer. That's not his fault. He's got to deal with what he's got. And I think he, he's cutting his cloth accordingly. He, if he sets him up to try and go out and attack, then they might get all the chances in the world, but there's no guarantee that they're going to put them away given the current strike was so he's cutting his club accordingly he's hedging his bets and making sure they're hard to beat and like Scott says the odd one's going to go against you there's other ones are going to go for you and maybe there's going to be a lot in the middle where you're maybe going to have to settle for a point but I think the main thing for Benitez if he doesn't um, get the chance to strengthen his attack in January which I'm sure all Newcastle fans hope he does um, but if he doesn't then he'll cut his stake, he'll set the team up as he sees the best way to keep them in the Premier League and build on from there. It might not be pretty to watch at times, and I'm guessing at times it's probably really frustrating, particularly if you just lose out in the last few minutes and what, what have you. But I'm guessing the way he sees, sees it is for, for the long term, create the good of the club. He'll do what he's got to do to keep them in the Premier and then look to go again when he's got the money to sign what he wants. Neil? Well, I, I don't know if you, you guys have seen the, the stats that were produced in the last couple of days where they've taken every team and they've worked out how much of the time in the season so far they've been ahead, drawn and behind. And, and apparently we're, we're, we've only been behind, there's only four teams have been behind in games for less time than we have. And that says, but equally, there's, we're only about the fifth amount that we've been ahead in terms of time and, it, and I think I just it, it sums up Rafa's approach with the squad he's got quite quite clearly um, and I think we were victim of that really at the weekend I was quite frustrated I ended up um, for one reason or another I ended up watching on me on me Todd in a in a, a bar that's actually an, it's an Aussie New Zealand bar and that one telly on with my game on with me concentrating on that and everybody else is more interested in the barbarians against New Zealand. Uh, it was quite bizarre. But that's the kind of thing that happens out here. If you're stuck somewhere where your only access to it is a single telly in the middle of a strange bar. Um, but it, it was exceptionally frustrating. Yeah, we were on the wrong end of an offside and a penalty shout possibly. But you could say that on most, most games in the Premier League these days. There's often one or two incidents which could be turned around. Um, we should have taken the chances when we did. I think it screams buckets about um, Mitrovic that he didn't get on the pitch at all. And again, we've got this this situation where the, the longer Mitrovic stays on the bench, the better he seems to get. And I think that's that that's a problem we've got, and something we've got to got to, to put to bed soon. I think we'll put the four four two argument to bed this weekend as well. It didn't work didn't work for me at all um, so I think that's that's something else we need to look at um, I don't know what he's been feeding Gale over the week though he looked like a, a, a certainly like he had a bit more fire in his belly if nothing else which is something that's been missing so far this season when he has made appearances um, so whether he's 
he's been sorting out the, his own demons in one way or another. Who knows? Um, it was just a frustrating game all around, really. And you could see the sucker punch coming. Like, you, you could see it as it, as it got into the last five minutes. You could see the sucker punch coming. Um, really, really very frustrating, and that, that that's yeah. how I felt. Um, I couldn't even be bothered to take the t- take the, to Twitter to get very sweary about it. I just just sort of just thought, well, sod it. <laughs> it was one of those games. I mean, to be to be, to be fair to, to be fair to Benita, like he, as good as a coach he is, he's never going to turn Jocelyn into a, a twenty goal mm-hmm. a season man. So he's, he's got to play the he's got to play the card that don't that he's been dealt. And I know, yeah, Jocelyn was his choice, but. I'm sure he wasn't his first choice, possibly not his second or third choice. And he, he you know, he, he knew he had to get somebody in, so it's a case of like, like A, no, we can't have him, B, no, we're not allowed him, C, and, and eventually he's had to settle on. And Jocelyn, he's probably getting the best he can out there, Jocelyn, mm. in terms of his work rate and how he links up with the team and that. It's just, yeah. he's never going to turn him into an out-and-out goal scorer, and, 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 and that's, that's why he's probably sets the team up the way he does, to try and get them over the line, and and make sure, like, like I said, they're hard to beat. And if they can nick one, then that's three points, another three points closer to, to safety. And if they get one, a draw, then it's another point close. I think he's just making sure he gets them over the line. That's his job done. And then look to build from there, you know, once yeah. he's got the money. Yeah, I, was, I, was, I agree with all that. It's, the thing for me, and I, I'm, well, Scott, you can answer first, but mm-hmm. when I, the fact that George Lou... It hasn't been working. Yes, he's feeding off scraps as well, but to me, every time I've, every time Rafa brings in players, if if they're not doing it, or if if you know whatever it is, he, he drops into the bench and he brings in other players, right? Yeah. Now, not to bring in Mitrovic to start, especially when I I've always been led to believe that he's been close to. St- to start in other games, that to me, like for me, he, he lost me a little bit on that one because it, it, obviously the fans later on were shouting for Midfield to come back, which is all about the theatre. But when it comes to saying to Midfield, okay, we, we, everybody's granny knows he doesn't fancy him, he, doesn't, he probably won't be here in January, but he might be. So why not just use what you've got and you never know, one or a couple of games, Mitrovic might come alive. And, you know, he's still a young fella, but the, the problem is, he, I, I don't think he's good enough for Newcastle United, but we have him there. We have to use him in some regard. And I, think, I think the thing is, Andrew, I think, you know, Rafa Benitez has decided, and decided quite a while ago, that yeah. he just does not fancy Mitrovic. And mm. he doesn't fancy him primarily because, A... He doesn't. He doesn't value his work rate. He thinks he's probably got the worst work rate. I think of all the strikers at Newcastle, markedly worse than Josselu, markedly worse than Perez, and even at the moment worse than Gale, who he's also questioned the work rate of in the past. Um, and I think he doesn't trust. Think that he can trust him temperamentally. Now, you know, they would have sold Mitrovic in the summer if the A they'd been able to, and B they could have then bought someone in. Um, I'm, I'm absolutely convinced they'll try again to do that in January and I think we're at the stage now where it, for all parties it, it needs to happen in January really you know Mitrovic mm-hmm. needs a new start I think because he's not going to get the chances that he wants at Newcastle um, and I think Newcastle would probably be better off without him being the distraction which we're all kind of talking about 
Um, should he have come on on Saturday? Yeah, I think he probably should because I think Newcastle needed someone to hold the ball up better in the last 20 minutes and Mitrovic can do that. Um, but then, you know, Benitez, I'm sure, would argue, well, yes, he can, but then also he can, he can go missing and... You know, or he could chin a centre back. <laughs> or he could chin a centre back, yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, when you when you say and you quite rightly say, Jocelyn, it's not working. It's not, um, and you know his goal tally would suggest that. I suspect Rafa Benitez would say, well, okay, yes, but in a lot of things that I want my strikers to do, Jocelyn actually is working. Um, his industry is closing down. He's tracking back. Um, is putting opposition centre-halves under pressure when they've got the ball, especially away from home, that's integral to the way Rafa sets Newcastle up and the way that he wants them to play. Now, at some point, your centre-forward has to put the ball in the back of the net, um, especially when, like Newcastle, you've not exactly got a midfield that is screaming goals at the minute. So, you know, you have to strike that balance, but I suspect... If, if you put a gun to Rafa Benitez's head, he'd say, well, to be perfectly honest, I'm not sure any of my strikers at the minute are, are capable of regularly putting the ball in the back of the net. So I'm going to pick the ones who I think will do the job for the team when they're not doing that. And at the moment, that's Jocelyn. It, it has been Perez. Although I, I, I agree with Neil that one of the real positives from the weekend was just how hungry and committed and energetic Gale looked. So suddenly, if, if he can do that every week then maybe you can swap in for Jocelyn and say, OK, we're getting more of a goal threat, but we're also getting someone who's going to do the kind of dirty stuff that Jocelyn has been doing earlier in the season. Yeah, because it just looks to me that the, we've, we've lost the ability to, when you take out Marina out of the team, we're, we're definitely losing tons in terms of, of creativity and you know, the, the, player, the link-up player that was there. Um, it's quite, you know, obviously everything falls onto, onto Shelby, you know, I thought he had an indifferent game, and, it, you know, we're, we're, every time it comes across the last couple of the games to me, especially, as soon as we get the ball, we'll just hand it straight back to the other team. It, you know, it's, Bournemouth probably couldn't believe what was going on, like I, all the stuff they came out with, oh yeah, Newcastle one of the hardest teams we've played against. But, you know, we're, we're losing a lot of... Um, Creativity that uh, Richie brings to the team, because he's been nullified. Um, the, the fact that not playing Mitrovic or having a, a focal point definitely played into the team. They couldn't believe it. They really couldn't believe it. And they even obviously they brought in Defoe, and you know as soon as he came out, I was like, oh god, one chance and it's, it's going to be after La Vista. But um, that's the problem. You're right. That's what I'm saying. You're, everything's linked to the. The, the the strikers if they're, if they're not putting the ball in the back of net but we're definitely the problem is it's not going to just be strikers we can get as many strikers as we want but if we're not going to be you know you know Marino has just come from Borussia Dortmund where he hasn't been he hasn't been playing at all and he's, he's obviously he's picking up knocks here and there because his body's growing but you know the, the the team has to some it it it's all well and good us to run saying okay well Mitrovic shouldn't play. Sometimes you've just got to say, well, okay, uh, as a coach, put him in. He's a, he's a big lump. Will he do more from the start? You know, he, he's one of these people, he, he doesn't seem, his attention span, you know, even when he comes on a sub, 
it, it, I think um, it depends on the result and if we're a goal up or that, that's a problem you've got with Mitrovic but not to play from the start I I thought it was a really really bad call and I was absolutely raging. I must admit, it's like I'm not. I'm not. Uh, really, I'm not, Andrew, I'm not really uh, his biggest fan, but I thought it was outrageous. To be honest, uh, Andrew, I'm. I'm going to say it again, and I've told you this before. It, it, the, the bottom line is is about trust in the player. Yeah, of will course, he follow yeah. instructions and will he do what he's told? And that's the same case with Mbemba. And that's why he wasn't getting a game, and why he won't get a game at centre back unless it's absolutely desperate stations, because. He doesn't obey instructions. He doesn't do what he's told. He doesn't hold positions, and he doesn't follow the tour the line. And anybody who doesn't do that is moved out from the group slowly and surely. Look at Colback at the moment, mm-hmm. totally ostracised. Um, you, you read Martin Hardy's book, Rafa's Way, and, and it's and it's more than hinted at in there. At the end of the day, that if 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 you're not prepared to do your job the way you are told. The door's there. Don't let it hit your backside on the way out. And I think that's exactly what's going on with Mitrovic. And 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 I and I, and I still also say, yeah, you could give fire, you could give a spark, you could give all kinds, but you could also chin a centre back or do something stupid. And whilst that gets everybody railed up and and, and fizzed, it it he has a reputation that he's carried from day one since he come through the door when he clattered that lad from Arsenal. And that's it. it and it's stuck. And I think he's put himself in a position where. Quite rightly, the only really sensible thing to do in January is to move on. Well, they've tried twice now, and it doesn't seem to be happening. But uh, when it comes to Scott, when it comes to Mbemba, like uh, Neil just brought up there, and we'll get to Gary in a second. But what's the issue with Mbemba? Because I must admit, when he has played, he has played quite well. And um, obviously, when uh, Lascelles went off, he brought on Kieran. Um, yeah. So it's it's definitely the you know, and the worst thing about it, when Mbemba does play, he does play quite well. So it's it's a it's to me it's still surprising if, if a player plays and he's okay, uh, you totally ostracise him. But you know, he, he is a he is a canny player. I've always found him a canny player. I think I think Neil hit the hit the um, hit the nail absolutely on the head though. Where I, I just I just think Rafa doesn't doesn't think that he can necessarily trust him and doesn't necessarily know what he's going to get from him at centre half one week to the next. Um, mm. I think it was the Wolves game last season, wasn't it, where he made a couple of pretty crass errors um, and Rafa was kind of trying to coax him on the sidelines and then you almost got the feeling that within that game he kind of half gave up on him then and said, you know what, I'm, I'm just not sure he's getting what I'm trying to do with him here. Now, you know, had, had, had he not had the injuries at left-back, I, I, I suspect him, we will, probably might not have seen him Bember at all this season bar the League Cup game, but... Um, there was, you know, there was such an issue at left back that he had to go in there, and, and you know, as you say, to be fair to him, he did a job there. Um, didn't necessarily always look the most natural fullback, but did everything that that could, re- you know, reasonably been asked for him. But, um, but having said that, the minute that um, that Mankiw and Yedlin are, are both kind of available, they're they're his choices because I just think that he thinks that that they'll fit into the system and do what he wants them to do much more readily than, than, than Mbemba will. I think, uh, isn't Gary, you like Mbemba? Because I was going to ask Scott, you've got uh, as well, you've got Dummer coming back quite soon as well. Yeah, I don't, well, I think just to echo what everybody else has already said, really, it's the same, it's the same sort of thing where Mitrovic, he, he, you know, 
Rafa set his team up in a certain way and wants them to do a certain job for him and he can't be sure. I don't think in his mind he doesn't feel that he can be sure that either of those players are going to do the job that they're asked or told to do. And, and if that's the case, then why is he? Why would he risk a result or risk... like Everything's got to work together for Rafa's system to work. Everything's got to, you know, the centre-forwards have got to chase down, you know, the likes of uh, Perez has got to work back and stuff like that. And everything's got to work together for it to be a success. So if you've got these two mavericks, for want of a better word, a way of putting it, who don't do as at all and might go off and do their own thing, then he's not going to risk the team method or the team ethic or whatever not working by saying, oh, we'll give these two lads a run out. And if he doesn't feel he can trust them, he's just not going to put them on the field unless he really, really, really has to. What do you think about uh, the next step? Because... Uh, Scott, when it comes to Paul Dummick, uh looks like he's quite close to come back into the team. And that opens up a another well, an interesting wrinkle, especially when he's he's always played Paul mainly when, yeah, he, when he's been that, available. That, that will be interesting to be fair because I've got to admit, having watched Man at Sunderland mm. last season, when when he came in, I, I was kind of I, I was surprised. I was thinking, goodness <laughs> me, you know, he, um, there was times last season when he looked all at sea. To be fair to Mankiyo, um, I think he's played pretty well this season. You know, he, he's got up and down well. He's been solid when he's had to be. Um, there haven't been many... In fact, I'm struggling to think of any real goals that, that Newcastle conceded where you'd immediately point the finger at him and say he was the one to blame. Um, so, will Dummett go straight in? I think it'd be interesting. I'm, I mean, you know, Dummett... Dummett did very well for Newcastle last season, um, but hadn't necessarily been a, a kind of uh, shoo-in in the last season in the Premier League. Will Rafa look at it and think, well, he was my number one last season, he's still my number one? Or will he look at it and think, well, he did a very, very good job for us in the Championship, but is he better in the Premier League than Mankey? Or am? I think that's an interesting one, that. I wouldn't like to hang my hat at the minute. If, if you put a gun to my head, I think you might stick with Mankey or... Yeah, Neil. Uh, the, problem, the problem is, Scott, it's like, well, who's got more pace? Again, <laughs> we've had this argument before. Dummett's got a lot more pace than you realise if you look at the, the 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 figures on who's who's quickest over sixty yards. Um, and and I think I actually disagree with you, Scott. I think you put Dummett in if Dummett's fit, he you will play like fullback. Yeah, because. because we do lack balance when Mankiw wants to cut inside all the time. And that's what we lacked yes. when Mbemba was there. He wanted to cut inside all yeah. the time. Um, I, I, I agree with that. I can see that. I just... I think that he made such a kind of... It, it was a strange signing, Mankiw. So that yeah. tells me that Benitez really thinks that he's got something that he likes. Because, mm. you know... For a, lo- for a lot of reasons, not least the Sunderland connections, it, it would have been easy not to make that signing, but he did. I mean, of course, his other option is to play Dummett and to play Mankiw at right-back, and he may, he may do that some games when he feels like um, he wants to, you know, rein things in. Although, again, to be fair, I think Yedlin's been quite good this season, but that would be another option for him, to, to, to play Dummett on the left and Mankiw on the right. Yes, it would be. Um, I, I just get the feeling that um, he, he wants to create he, he likes to have that left right footed centre back com- uh, combination uh, at times and he likes to have 
certain people in certain certain he likes square pegs and square holes basically. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it, it, it I mean I, I I've got a pal over here who's who's a big Marseille fan and he he he, he, he raves about when Mankio had a season there. And he was disappointed they didn't sign him after yeah. he had a season with them. And and he, he says nothing but good things about him. And then I pointed out his season at Sunderland, and he was he says, well, we're talking about the same player. I'm like, yeah, I'm sure we are. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah, it, it, well, he's obviously got something in him with the right nurturing, and perhaps, you know, th- th- there's an environmental thing going on in that dressing room at Sunderland. I'm pretty, pretty convinced, and it goes back there. Gus Poyer and Paolo De Cano's times there, mm. um, and I think the core of that that problem is still there, and now being touted as the next manager, and quite unusually. Um, <laughs> and, and, well, you and see them all off, hasn't he? Let's be well, honest. He has. he has, and there's still something endemic in there that doesn't seem to be getting through to people. I just, I just I, 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 there's something odd, and so um, yeah. Uh, I, I, I've been impressed with Mankio at times this season for somebody who come in with such low expectations. Um, I think he has. It, 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 do you want to sum up the team in one player? It's him because he's definitely punching above his weight. Yeah. What do you think, uh, Gary? Do you think uh, do you think Dumbledore comes straight in? It's a difficult one, isn't it? I, I, I'm not sure if you might sort of make him work his way back into sort of total match fitness. It's like you said. Um, I, it's hard for me to comment on Mankiw because I haven't seen a great deal of this season and my, a lot of my opinion is based on what I've seen in the mm-hmm. Sunderland shirt and for me I never thought he'd, I never thought he'd ever play in the, in the Premier League again after what I saw in the Sunderland shirt but obviously he's proven me wrong because he, he, he's, he seems to be doing okay at Newcastle but he, he, all I can remember was he, he was one of many a bad bunch at Sunderland and, he, and I never ever thought he was he was any good at all but like I say he seems to be proving me wrong because he's, he's, whether through double teams or whatever, he seems to be, yeah, uh, be there or thereabouts every week. Mm-hmm. What do you think, Scott? Obviously, the, the takeover of Newcastle seems to be, well, it's gone completely quiet, isn't it? <laughs> Nobody, yeah, uh, I mean, it, it, yeah, and, and, you know, these things do tend to do that. You know, the, um, there comes a point where things have to happen behind mm-hmm. the scenes. Mm-hmm. Um and you know it, it, there is, it, it just does take a certain amount of time. So I wouldn't necessarily be hitting the panic button, but by the same token, um, I think the idea that Newcastle could be out of Mike Ashley's hands by Christmas is becoming probably increasingly fanciful. If um, you know if, if if there isn't if there isn't kind of real signs of, of, of further progress in the next couple of weeks, at least. Um, from what I, you know, from 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 what I kind of am hearing, the um, the talk of various three or four Chinese consortia seems to be going ever colder, and it does increasingly look like the Middle Eastern money, whether through Amanda Staveley's PCP capital or um, kind of related to that, is is probably going to end up being the only show in town, I would imagine. Um, so you know, we will just have to see how. A, how serious that investment um, potential is, and then B, how serious Mike Ashley is about actually being willing to sit down around the table and, and, and talk realistic figures. So, um, I, is it a worry that it's gone quiet? No, not necessarily, because, like I say, you know, 
these things do go quiet and, and then when there is something to, to kind of be announced more publicly, it will be. But by the same token, I, I still don't think it's by any means past the post or, or, or anywhere near that stage yet. Um, yeah. I'm going to give you the prediction. The next word <laughs> you'll hear on it will be, it's a done deal. Yeah. If there's anything publicly said about it soon, the next thing will be it's done. So that's why you're going to hear nothing, Andrew. <laughs> it, we're genuinely in the eye of the storm. Yeah. All of this to happen, the amount of due diligence that has to be done on that club, because it's not just about the books. If they're a smart buyer, if they're a clever buyer, if they're somebody who's already done the wider due diligence on the club, they'll be talking to the council, they'll be talking to every damn person they can who could be affected by the sale of this club to get them on board with it. And that, that it, it doesn't happen overnight. Um, I would suggest the financial due diligence is probably done. Because, you know, the, once the books are thrown open... There's not that much to look at, other than perhaps you might want to look at what was he selling the last time he agreed to make a sale versus what is he selling today? Because I guarantee you they'll not be the same bloody things, but that's another matter. Um, so you want you want to assess what values in that, but then then we've also got training facilities they need improving. Where we, where we at with the old plans that were put together and then mothballed for redeveloping the training ground and how much is that going to cost and is the planning permission still in place, etc. 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 And it's all those things. That it's the added value around the club that's going to be being looked at now. And I genuinely believe that the very next public thing that will be said by anybody is whether whether the deal is on or whether the deal is off. And that's just that's personal opinion. Nothing yeah. more. Nothing less. But that's that's the way I would be at the yeah. moment. Uh, it's a big game of poker now and it basically we've all been dealt with hands and there's a big pot of money in the mid middle now who blinks I think you're right and I think I think even probably even more so with Mike Ashley's Newcastle than with any other club as well because yeah. you know at, at certain clubs then the the kind of Ashley side of the negotiation if, if that makes sense w would probably leak out because of the way that those clubs are run and organised the way that Mike Ashley has always done his business, whether it's football business or, or, or any other kind of business, you know, that, that doesn't happen with him. That's not the way he does it. So, you know, th that side of the negotiations will be watertight because they kind of have been all the way through Ashley's reign, you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, Scott, you've got to look at the situation with Rangers, where their financial statements have come out, and they've put mm -hmm. themselves £3 million closer to our administration just to get rid of him from that club shop. Mm. You know, after after he'd sold the club, he's staking the club. You know, and and that's the kind of thing you got to be looking at. Because I'm, and I've said it, said this a few times on this show. I can guarantee you, in his in his sort of little lists of wants and needs, there'll be some sort of way to make money out in Newcastle United, even after he's left. Well, uh, yeah, and, and you would imagine, chief, to top of that list would be the whole sports direct advertising yeah. slash branding that he's getting at the moment. You know, I, I've always thought that he would be very, very, very loath to give that up at a time when the Premier League is continuing to grow in the Far East, at a time when it's um, 
when it's becoming more and more prominent in the American market. You know, so he's, that's, he's that's, the that's a circle that's got to be squared. That you know, how how will how will that play out? I think that will be interesting in any future negotiation because I I can't imagine that he would necessarily just want to walk away and not either retain some degree of shareholding or some degree of influence over Sports Direct's profile at the club moving forward. Well, he's opened a shop here in Dubai. There is a Sports Direct here in Dubai now. And so immediately, if, if, if the club, for example, was bought with money from the Gulf, there's immediate free advertising for his growing empire here in the Middle East because he also owns part of a company called Go Sport. And he also owns another company called Medell Sporting Goods. It's the same yeah, pattern. It's the same yeah. pattern that he had in the UK where he bought Lily Whites and Dunlop and, yeah. and merged them all together. It, it's the same pattern over here. Um, I know, know for a fact that the trip he had over here with Lambias when they were allegedly sacked the buyer off, we was actually here to do a deal with Sports Direct. Um, we go sport. And so, um, you know, it, it, you're right. He's going to want a way to keep those logos on in our ground for a period of time free free gratis thank you very much after he's left i've got no doubt about that i was going to ask you scott and uh, uh gary i'll ask scott first if obviously uh, before you go because uh scott i know time is a bit pressing but um there seems to be a lot of work being done at newcastle at the moment lots of building work have you heard what that could be because I've been going down, there's, there's tons and tons in terms of... In what, at the ground? Yeah, there's, there's lots of things, like there's lots of builders there, there seems to be, uh, you know, there, there, there's some, lots of building work going on, and I have noticed, if you, like when you, see, when you look at the ground, mm-hmm. it, it, I'm, I'm not going to say sports directors everywhere on, on the logo now, but yeah. there's, a, there's a definite shifting going on, and like I, I'll, I work next to it, so... Um, yeah. Every day, it's like a building site. No, I mean, I'm not aware of anything kind of major. The, um, I know that they've been. Um, there is a degree of pressure coming from the Premier League. The, 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 the Premier League relegate, re- regulations have always wanted to get away fans down to pitch level, uh, and Newcastle have so far been able to resist that um, because of issues to do with. Um, kind of crowd safety, i.e. how they get away fans in and out of the ground and um, disabled access things and things like that. But I know that, that there is still a lot of pressure from the Premier League about movement on that eventually, that they are you know, fairly unhappy at Newcastle still having the away fans in the gods when most other Premier League clubs have, have, have had to address that and move them. So um, I think that is something that is still kind of going on in the background. Um, but in terms of kind of major infrastructural change, I'm, I've got to admit I'm not aware of anything. Have you heard anything, Gary? No, no, I've, I've not heard anything at all. I don't know. Maybe he's just putting up bigger signs. Quite <laughs> 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 possibly, he's found, he's found in a found a couple of metres spare of concrete and he can throw another couple of signs. So maybe, but no, I've not heard of any building, any any uh, extending or anything like that going on. <coughs> Yeah, it's, it's a, obviously I think it's all, all going to play out because you know you if he <laughs> if he is serious about selling, he wants to put his best foot forward and p- present it to anybody that um, to make it look good. I was actually uh, it was interesting. A colleague of mine says, and this was last week, 
a young blonde haired lady turned up in a Bentley. And I could I could have killed him when he told me to. He, he he just failed to take a picture, but um, very very pronounced, and he knows what she looks like, Miss Stavely. And she turned up in a green Bentley, got out of the car very very quickly, and uh, in into the area where the VIPs go uh, with with a massive uh, suitcase and of obviously of information. But uh, he said when. He, he could have sworn as Amanda Stavely. Now I think, and I said to him, listen, if she was anywhere near Newcastle, we would know that she's here. But in some respects, when you look when I, when I look at the takeover, the, what's going on, the one thing that always seems to smack you in the face is that the reason why Liverpool didn't it didn't turn up at Liverpool because it was they went they went so slowly. Uh, I think the difference in Newcastle the. The, the the time frame that he wants the club the club to go um, to, to sell the club, uh, you all all roads point to a, a deal being made. Uh, I think I think if you're a if you are a serious buyer, then clearly the best scenario is that you get it before January, um, because then it allows you to do whatever you want to do or what you think is needed in the January transfer window. You know. That's a kind of no-brainer. So it's you know it's a fairly obvious time frame to be to be trying to work to if you at all can as a, as a prospective buyer. Um, but then you know as Neil's kind of alluded to, these the, you know these talks and, and these um, these kind of negotiations often take on a life of their own and, and you know moving in kind of directions and, and ways that aren't necessarily envisaged from the outset. So um, you know. I think I, I agree a lot with with Neil's kind of sentiment that you know there will clearly be things going on now. There'll clearly be talks. There'll clearly be um, there'll clearly be discussions. I, I, I mean, you know, from what I was hearing a, a week, two weeks ago, you know, if it is to be Amanda Stavely, then she's still got to kind of put together exactly how all of that's going to be funded before she can even sit round the table with Mike Ashley and say, okay, you know, what, what is the what is the kind of final sum that you want? So. Um, will it happen before the, Christmas? We shall see, won't we? There's certainly got a degree of question about, for example, exactly where does all the money come from? Yeah. Is it is it Saudi, given the yeah. geopolitical situation yeah. and the delicate situation there at the moment? Whose money from Saudi is it? Is it a mix of Saudi and UAE? Is it just UAE? Is Qatar in the mix? Mm. Yeah. Because they they're playing a lot of quite literal political football at the moment, um, all of which could potentially have long-term implications on on Newcastle United, and um, it's very delicate. But equally, um, some people would turn around and say, "I don't care where the mm. money comes from as long as we get rid of Mike Ashley." And the, the only thing I would temper with that is, um, "We've been here with, before with anyone but Fred," um, and. And sometimes you've got to be careful what you wish for. I mean, if we end up with some lunatic from Vietnam, then we're in a real hole, you know, and will we really be better off? It, 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 it's that kind of side of things. But I'm quite sure a lot of this has been and will be looked at and thought through, bearing in mind the experience that if it is to be Amanda Stavely and, and her uh, team, shall we say, um, because she's been through the experience twice before already. She's mm. not a, not a new person at this by any means feat. 
and will have certainly learned, no doubt, from the Man City experience and from the Dubai Capital experience that nearly but not quite bought the half of Liverpool. So mm. it, it, it's, um, it's very interesting times, if nothing else. Um, but I, I genuinely think, well, hand on heart, I think the next thing that will be voiced will be, yep, it's on and no, it's not. Yeah. Um, I think uh, it's getting, getting to a bit on Middlesbrough. That's been an interesting scenario with Mr. Monk, hasn't it, uh, Scott? Uh, and obviously I'll get to Gary in a second, but um, when it comes to Middlesbrough, there's a lot of uh, anger from the, from the fans there that what's been going on there. But uh, slowly but surely, they seem to be rebounded a little bit. Yeah, it, it's probably taken a little bit longer than... Than, than the fans and, and probably even Gary Monk himself kind of envisaged for things to bed in. Um, you know, an awful lot of upheaval in the summer, an awful lot of money spent, admittedly a lot of money brought in as well. Um, so, you know, I, I think I think a month or so ago there was a fear that, you know, how were things going to gel together? Now, clearly at any level, three three wins in a, in a week is, is going to change the mood and put a smile on everyone's face. Um I mean, Middlesbrough were, you know, they weren't great on Sunday, but they were good enough. Um, I also did them at Hull on Tuesday night when they played very well against an admittedly pretty ramshackle Hull side. Um, But, you know, I think as Monk said after the game yesterday, they've kind of shown a bit of everything in the last week. They've shown that they can play pretty decent free-flowing attack and football, but then they've also shown they can dig in a little bit as well. And, you know, I, I thought aspects of their play on Sunday was, was pretty reminiscent of how they played in the season that they went up under Karanka where they were just you know pretty hard to break down and certainly once they got a lead they were, they were very good at holding on to it and, and making it hard for sides to get back into the game and you know I, I think over the course of a championship season you have to be able to do that so you know more than necessarily the kind of expansive attacking stuff which which they did pretty well at Hull. I, I, I was quite buoyed by kind of how resolute they were at the weekend and just how, how fairly easily they controlled that second half against Sunderland and, and stopped Sunderland from landing a blow on them. Okay. Yeah, I mean, he, he, has, he, like Scott said, he did probably decent start and then, then it drifted off a bit and then it's been, the last week or so, there's been some very good results. I mean, for... As a middle for Middlesbrough fans, that yesterday would have been a huge result. I mean, did they class that as a derby? I don't think anybody in Sunderland does. Well, I know a lot of Middlesbrough fans class that as a derby. It, it, um, when I worked down there, a lot of them used to say, "Oh, we'll, we'll beat you in the derby." And I used to have to say, "No, you're in North Yorkshire. That's not a derby." But um, no, was well, the same like argument I used to have when I worked down there as well. Yeah, I mean, it's it's it's, it's, weird, it's but. Like Scott said, like, they've shown a little bit of everything, but again, there's no real team, I'd say, in the, as bad as some of them have been, there's no real team that I've seen so far at the championship where think they're going to run away with it. They're gonna, they're all, they're all, the teams fighting in and around, they're all very much of a much of a same sort of bag. You know, one week they look very good, like Scott said, against, all right, not a great whole side, but they played some really good stuff and it was very entertaining for the fans to watch, I'm sure, and then they sort of dug a result out on Sunday and they, they just can't seem to get that consistent thing where, you, where they kick on and like you really think, oh, we better sit back and watch here. But, but like I say, they're not alone in that. I don't think 
know, Bristol City as well as uh, Bristol's been doing. I don't think they're particularly anything like they would say, oh, yeah, they're going to... And, and there's several other teams in the Championship where you think they're there or thereabouts, but you don't actually think they'll run away with it here. Um, so it, but, no, I mean, the, I think Monk's given them a a bit of a boost in, in, in the last few games and, and, and while he's getting results like he did on Sunday, then I'm sure the fans will be happy. It's when those results start going one nil the other way that you'll, you'll hear the fans start to, start to maybe moan about the way he's, he's got them playing again. I think that, that makes a good point, uh, guys, isn't it, uh, Scott? And, you know, they're not really a vociferous bunch, the, the supporters, and, um, you know, they, they, they kind of give managers a chance. Um, I think with Monk being sacked from Swansea, doing okay at Leeds, um, you've got, you've got, I suppose you've got to give him time, haven't you? And plus they've signed... Um, Gives it on for for a year, another uh, I right. contract. I, I think I think there is a I think there is a, a kind of high degree of expectation at Borough this year that there hasn't necessarily been, you know, always in the past. You know, I think I think most Borough fans it would say, you know, promotion is is the you know any anything less than promotion this season will be regarded as a failure, um, and that's that's the pressure that Monk will have to work under. You know. When you've got your chairman obviously coming on and the old smash the championship quotes that he gave, and you know, yes, they brought a lot of money in, but they've spent more than forty million pound on players this summer. So, you know, the expectation is that, that Borough will be promoted. So while you're right, you know, I, I, the um, historically it's always been a pretty patient club, both in terms of on the, in the stands and from the boardroom. I think it is slightly different this year in that. You know, I, I do think that anything less than promotion will be regarded as a failure. Yeah, I think it's good. It's, it's definitely going to be an interesting thing because there's, there's not a lot of points between... I think I saw a graph the other week um, that there's three points or less than that between the, the top eight to ten. Is that right? Um, yeah, I think... Um, I mean, Gary's right. There's not... You know, Wolves have probably been the standout yeah. team. Yeah. Um, and what are they? They're now 12 points clear of Borough. Um, yeah. And, th- you know, they look certainly like they've got the best attack in the league. Um, but they have thrown in an odd shaky result. Sheffield United are the interesting team. Um, they look like this season's Huddersfield, don't they? And all last season, you thought the Huddersfield would fall away. I think most people probably think that Sheffield United will eventually fall away. But... They've got a lot of momentum behind them. They're very well organised. They they work their absolute socks off, and it would not surprise me if they were certainly still in the top six come the end of the season. Um, you know, beyond that, you've then got Cardiff, you've got Bristol City, you've got Villa, who are all pretty much there or thereabouts with Borough, I would say, in terms of where their form has been so far this season. So, um, you know, Borough are still certainly within touch you know well well within touch to get to get a top spoot two spot but um but you know as we know from from watching newcastle in the championship and from borough when they're last in the championship it it's such a relentless league that <laughs> every month you need to be picking up those points because you know the um there's so many games every month that if you if you get yourself into a sticky patch of five six games and all of a sudden you know, you, you can find yourself 10 points worse off than where you were just a month ago. 
It's definitely iffy league for sure. Do you know what Andrew sitting here listening to this conversation? Smash the championship and <laughs> Sunderland are saying we should be top seven, pushing for top seven. Do you know if that was us saying that, we'd be all the deluded Jody so-and-so's yeah. under the sun, wouldn't we? <laughs> it's quite... And, and the other thing that, that strikes me as well, talking about Wolves, their net yeah. spend £30 million in very unusual circumstances with an agent involved with a manager. Yeah. and mm. It's all... And, and, and where's all the cries of they're buying the championship that we yeah. had last season? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <coughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely. It sets, well, you, that's football, isn't it? It sets it, it sets it all up for an intriguing Christmas period and and then mm. onwards from there. But um, thank, it's been a tremendous having you on, Scott. It's been a pleasure having you on and no getting on for an hour and fifteen minutes as a result for me. Thank <laughs> you all soon. Take care, yeah. mate. Bye Thanks, bye. Scott. For later. Cheers, Scott. Cheers. Thank you. Um, Great, obviously, fantastic guest as ever. It's got I love having him on. He, such insight on everything what's going on. And um, when it, I think when it, the the next step for most of the clubs, uh, especially with you know Newcastle, Sunderland, and Borough, uh, you know the the next set of re, set of results can be pretty pretty important. And uh, I think Newcastle have got Man United next. Um, you know. <laughs> It's, it, that's going to be a hard one, Gary. Isn't it? It's like more or less. I think the difference between him with, with Benitez and with Pardew and the other fools that we had before him, um, at least when we play Man United, they're going to have they're going to have to up their game. So, and they're going to be playing against a very committed uh, and resilient Newcastle, which is probably hasn't been there before. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Mourinho's coming for some stick this. In the last couple of weeks against the top six teams, sort of part and part of the bus, as he liked to put it, or I think it was it 19th century football as well. He called it um, a couple of seasons back. But I honestly think that in terms of tactics, now Benitez sets his team up. I think Benitez will make them work very hard to get the ball off Newcastle, and I think we'll see. Really, what remember you see what Mourinho's attack and uh, options are made of, and what, and what sort of attack and tactics he's got. Because there's no doubt in my mind that the Benitez will have been looking at it and, and, and seeing how he can cancel out the threats here, there, and everywhere, and then maybe go ahead and nick one. Um, and I think he's going to make um, he's going to make Mourinho and his team work very hard for anything that can get out of that game. Yeah, it'll be, it'll be obviously a big game. I think it just yeah. depends on how many of their players come back from international duty, and they, you know, and they're ready to go. Because I think is it on Sunday that we play them? Is it or Saturday? I'm Saturday, mate. Saturday. Saturday. Oh, Saturday yeah. Be an interesting one for sure. But like, um, it's I think it's, it's definitely going to be something to look forward to. And um, I, know, I know you've been on for quite a while. Thanks very much for coming on, Gary. Had tremendous no, to have you on for this Gary. long and. Uh, We'll we'll catch you after the international break, where yeah. we'll uh, talk on every all northeast clubs. But I appreciate you coming on again tonight. Unless you can, unless you can keep on staying on, it's up to you. Jeez. I've got I've, I've actually got a nip off. Um, <laughs> I've, <laughs> so off, uh, <laughs> I've, I've stayed, I've stayed longer than I said I. I've stayed longer than I said I would. <laughs> I know exactly. I got. <laughs> I take one and get. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Gary. It's been a pleasure. Cheers. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Gary. Take care, mate. Cheers, Dan. Turn off. Well, great, great guest as ever on uh, Toon Talk and Gary Foster with uh, 
with, with Scott as well. Been tremendous to have them on. Um, so I'm going to bring in uh, Chris Parry calling from Texas, and uh, as ever, when Chris is on, he gives it to you a strip between the <laughs> strip between the eyeballs. So tell me, what was your thoughts on the game on Saturday? And uh, uh, we've, been, we've been talking about Newcastle and different other clubs tonight, and the fact that Miss um, David Moyes is going to be <laughs> heading to West Ham. Uh, so tell me, what, give me your thoughts on what on what's happened the weekend. I thought that. Uh, well, first of all, good evening, guys. Yeah. Uh, I thought that, uh, they played fantastic in the first half and didn't score any goals. I mean, now granted, they had a goal disallowed, which was was a ridiculous call. But you know what's funny though, guys. At the time the goal was disallowed, I didn't freak out as much as I normally would because I'm like, man, Newcastle's all over this team. They're playing well. They're going to score. It's just a matter of time. And then I don't know what happened in the second half. Uh, a, a different team came out on the pitch. I mean, Bournemouth completely dominated. I mean, they just they dominated. from the, from. the And as soon as Defoe came out there, you knew it was going to happen. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I, I hate this game. Yeah, I mean, as soon, as soon as he came, he didn't score the goal, but he created the space to set it up. And uh, it's it just shows the, the goal and quality that Newcastle has when it comes to forward options, striking options. And they really missed Marino. They absolutely missed Marino. I mean, he's a guy that, that creates things. And uh, if there was ever a time where it showed how – the transfer window really has hurt Newcastle and the fact that they just do not have any viable striking options. It was, it was on display. It was on display for all to see, uh, you know, this past week, because really, honestly, guys, in my opinion, that game should have been put away by the first half. They should have been up two or three to nothing. They absolutely just were all over Barnum. I mean, you know, what they had that one play where it, you know, it was a terrific cross. And of course that was the play that, uh, our center back got injured on uh, that, you know, that led to a header. But besides that, I mean, it was it was Newcastle all the time. I mean, am I wrong here that they probably could have been up three 0 at halftime? Yeah. Um, you know, um, I think we we should have had the game put to bed long before Burnley were really in it. Um, does it say anything about our striking options? Yeah, but I think we were lacking a little bit of of drive from midfield as well. Um, it, I, I, I still don't think 4-4-2 works under Benitez and works for Benitez, and, and, and I think that showed itself as well. Um, I, I think I, I would love with just to be able to take the shackles off a little bit. Yeah, yeah. You know? But I think that's, that's, that's always been the issue is... Yeah. Isn't the way he does it though? And 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 I guess. Well, I thought, hey guys, I thought Gail. I thought Gail was immense. I thought Gail came on and really worked hard forward and and helped back. You know, and and was able to come back and help on defense. But he's still just a little guy. I mean, they just don't have. They, they, I Tammy Abraham would be would have been such a good player from Newcastle. I cannot believe they did not get that through. And it just really shows, you know, how much they miss. You know, how much they miss him. But. Uh, uh, it was just another. It was another another frustrating afternoon. You know that uh, you're looking to the transfer window and hoping that this money comes in and they get some players. But uh, before, hey guys, before we, we I want to get into Mitrovic right now because you guys just saw my tweet, and I'm telling you, it's the same thing in, in American football. 
everybody wants that backup quarterback in the game. They all think the starter stuff and the starter's <laughs> losing. And we need the backup quarterback. And as soon as the backup quarterback comes in the game, you find out why he's the backup. <laughs> you know, he might he might deliver you a victory. He may he may come in that game and 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 hammer you, you know and find, throw a couple touchdowns and win. But after that, he's found out, and it shows why he didn't start to begin with. There's a reason why Mitrovic does not start in the Premiership, and I think people need to remember what he was when he was playing. He could be wound up at a moment's notice by an opponent to get a yellow card or a red card. Yeah, he scored a couple good goals, but the majority of the time, he was kind of just lost. I mean, I, I mean, at least Yosalu every once in a while will try to put a header. You know, if, I don't know. I mean, maybe I'm wrong. I didn't think he gave as much as everybody thinks he did. I think people are forgetting why he's the backup quarterback, why he's the backup forward. What do you guys think? Well, that that's the issue, isn't it? It's like if you if you're gonna if you're gonna put him in, if you're gonna if you're gonna go like for like, which normally um, when it comes to substitution, it, it I think all the substitutions that he made on Saturday were ill-advised. Um, the prob the problem you've got is that when Marino plays, he creates space, so it does give us more options. Um, on the on the pitch because he, he his inclination is to get the ball take the ball pass the pass the ball but quickly Newcastle have missed when you take him out and he's obviously been injured and he's been in and out uh, it, it gives us far more options we do look for far more dangerous when he's in, when he's on the pitch with regards to Mitrovic I've always said this yes there's a risk as any player any player can I think the, the the burden of proof of this <laughs> in the law respects when when it comes to Mitrovic is pretty much out there that you can't trust before you can throw them. But in so, in some respects, if a, if a player even I had to, we had this conversation today with somebody at work actually, but it doesn't matter what we think. Um, essentially, what we feel, feel about um, like. He's not. He's not good enough when it comes to Josalu. Papa Benitez thinks he's good enough, and he gives him what what he wants. But that's the that's the nature of football. Sometimes you've got to put a player in. You're definitely not. You're not a fan of. But you've got to. You've got to put. You've got to. Sometimes you've got to take the grasp the ball by the nettles and say, okay, show me what you can do. Even if it's a one game uh, going into the international break, give me an idea. And he didn't do that. He, uh, even when he, he when he took Josalu off, for those last twenty minutes, it was game over. Because you knew they're going to come, and they never stopped. They, it was like they couldn't believe it when he didn't when he didn't bring him on. In respect the fact that the ball could have gone long, he would have he could have had it. He might not have had it. But to me, it was a shocking decision that he didn't do it. But like I, I was God, I was spitting feathers when, and, and no, it's not just me saying this. If it was, it was a fan as well. There were, you know, an advice to shout his name. I would suggest, but um, you know, you've got to go like for like in in this thing. And when you lose the impetus, like Newcastle lost in the first half, to completely lose it in the second half, you know that that. You know, I think at the end of the game, he was uh, when he went to the, he went into the dressing room and un- 
unlike, this is very much it, unlike Rafa Benitez, because I sincerely believe that he knows he got it wrong. Hmm. Well, I mean... Because he does. He, he, he never shouts. He goes in there, he always says, you know, comes out with what he normally comes out with, but he went in there and he was shouting. Because he knows, he, you know, it's... This, this, this is going to happen from game to game where he's going to he's going to make mistakes. But the last couple of games when we have lost games, there's been new, you know, inklings that he's going to be bringing him back in. Uh, but I think with Paul Dodd being close, being back to fitness, and I think with Marino hopefully only being out for two weeks, uh, I think we'll see a lot more solid Newcastle coming come coming to the fray with Marino and uh, Dodd back in there. Uh, because then I think the, the game we should, as a team, we should be the floor better. Because when when we're stronger than what we have been, uh, the team are giving hundred percent. But we are definitely losing uh, creativity f- from Richie, especially because we seem we're more compact and more we're more stuck in one space. And um, it for me it was I watched Shelby quite closely. He gets the ball. He he was given he was given away actually. I thought a lot on uh, Saturday because. I think he's used to having a more skillful player next to him in Marino. There was a lot of, there was a lot of bad, I'm not saying bad. The, the one-touch football that we saw, it, it was so sloppy one-touch football. You know, they had yeah. chances to, to cut him open and some would, it, it was like these guys have been playing together all season. It's not like he's changed the lineup that much. And mm. it did seem like they were just off a of pace, you know. You, uh, Yedlin would break and no one would pass them the ball. You know, I mean, it, and he'd be wide open. And then by the time they did, he'd have to return. And then it was—it just seemed like it was very, very sloppy throughout. Doesn't I mean that I didn't think they should have scored a couple of goals. I mean, they really like exactly what Neil said. They should have had this thing dead and buried, you know, uh, by halftime. <laughs> plus, now, plus, we lost Lasalle, didn't we? Uh, that that was quite an in, that hurt us as well. I think um, well, he's playing so well. Just a lot of goal which is just brutal. And the problem is, you know, good teams like you, like I'll bring up uh, an American football references, and Andrew, and Andrew, you'll understand this. Yeah. Good teams can have their touchdown taken back by a penalty, and they'll just score on the next play. You know, yeah. or, or they'll just, or they'll just score anyway. You know, go, yeah. you'll take this touchdown away from us, or we're going to score. It just seems like Newcastle, if they have something taken away, they just cannot recover. And I'm hoping that with the influx of money and, and talent that's, uh, that's hopefully going to come to the club, that that'll no longer be a problem. Like, if you take a goal away from Man City, they'll surround the referee and be extremely angry, but then they're just going to go score anyway, you know, within the next 15 minutes. I mean, it's, uh, it, it doesn't affect them. And I'd like to see Newcastle get to that point. But uh, it, um, i got to talk about Murphy, because if there was a single player I thought that cost Newcastle the game, I really did. I hate to put it on one lad, but he did. Every time they tried to get the ball out in the second half, when they finally were able to get down the wing, he couldn't get past the fullback. He couldn't even – so they could never get the ball down the other side. It was uh, – how many times – he lost it like three or four times in a row, and I think he was, uh, he was uh, one of the culprits in losing possession when they finally scored the goal to win the game. Well, they finally got the, you know, the corner kick. They eventually got the corner kick to win the game. He just seems like he is completely out of his depth. And I just don't understand what the heck. If, if Benitez should have, should have had him playing on reserves all season long, if he, cannot, if he can't handle it, then why do they pay $8 million quid for a guy that clearly is not ready for this 
level. Neil? Mm, Interesting one, isn't it? Because yeah, a lot's been a lot's been uh, talked about by of Mr. Murphy, and obviously the fact that his uh, parents are from this area and everything. But I struggling. Pay, you pay a premium for English players. If you feel you've got the time <coughs> to develop into something bigger, it's worth paying the premium. Um, I think I would. It got to the point where I would like to see a bit more of them on the pitch, perhaps, to, to start to see that development. Um, yes, but then the question begs, could we have used that money towards a striker better? And we probably could have, because that's the one thing we're missing. We're missing goals. Everything else, you've got to be delighted with. We're just not creating enough opportunities to convert those opportunities. Um, I think, again, as the season goes on and we get, we get injuries come into play, then we'll see possibly a bit more of some of these players. You never know. Uh, I think the Mourinho injury, the timing of that was quite interesting. The time frame put on it to make sure he didn't go two weeks. the Spanish under-21 team. Um, I suspect it's probably not a two-week injury. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, he said he's not going, isn't he? <laughs> he's not going. Two-week injury and he's not going. Simple as that. Uh, so I think uh, um, I think this is <laughs> this is the games you get within football. Who, who knows in terms of the decisions that have been made. They've obviously had a chance to get Murphy at the time that they feel that evaluation that was going to be fair. When you look at what people have been paying for quite mediocre players of English origin over the, you know, the way the transfer window went, mm-hmm. um, I think in, t- in time that amount of money for Murphy might turn out to be a bargain. You never know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think you just have to, have to trust the judgment. Um, He's going to get it wrong sometime. I think you're right. I think he probably did get it wrong at the weekend. And I think part of his attitude was probably he was bloody frustrated about it. Yeah, you know, he def- he's, he's yeah I watched him very closely. and uh, He's got you know, such a high level of football intelligence. Mm-hmm. And you can see he directs the bloody game like, like a Singapore policeman directing traffic. He's standing on the touch lines, flapping his arms like bloody windy mm-hmm. lines. And... and 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 he's almost kicking every ball. And and so if he makes a call and he then goes in at full time and thinks oh, I got that wrong, he's gonna be pissed. He's gonna be mad at him. Um and probably is gonna be mad at him for the next forty eight hours. And then even more so, he's now got an entire international break before he's got a chance to put it right. Yeah. And so yeah, yeah he pro- probably was. Wound up and good. That's what you want him, and you want every player in that black and white shirt to be just as pissed. And so the next time they pull the shirt on, they don't do it again. Yeah, because also every time I also you very normally when it comes to these subs, he's he's very good, isn't he? Normally, I think it just depends if we're chasing the game, but it's nil nil and. Like obviously he has his favourite in Perez, and Perez came on and did absolutely nothing. And this is the, the, this is what the, for me that was the bugbear. It's like, well, okay, you got players who aren't doing anything, and you're still playing them. And sometimes you sometimes you got you got you've got to like it's it's okay being regimented, but you've got to take a risk. You've got to be able to say, well, okay, you're gonna you're on the touchline hoping for the best, 
well, that's football. That was, you know, is it was is it such a bad thing to think? Well, I don't think at this present time that even if he came on midfield, he would go out and kick kick a defender, you know, and do all that stuff. To me, it's you know, it's football. Things things change very very quickly, and attitudes change, and you know, football change, and players go on a run. It's you know, even if it's still essentially Newcastle are on hold. Until January, and uh, that's that's the thing. That's I watched him play, and uh, I haven't asked Chris yet on what, what he thought on his thoughts on Dummett, who's quite close to coming back, and we discussed it with with our earlier guests. But um, a lot of us are saying that Neil's obviously already said he thinks um, Dummett will come straight back in for Manquillo, and the Edlin will obviously keep on the the right. But what's your thoughts on Dummett coming straight back in? I don't know, guys. I mean, it's. I don't. I mean, I, I think Dummett is is was a great player to you know to throw back into the mix, but I don't think Manquillo's played bad. I mean, I don't think defense is the problem in on this team at all. I mean, let's be honest. Newcastle has lost games one nil. They have not been. They have not been uh, wolfed by anybody this year. You know, now we'll see what happens against Manchester United, but uh, I, I, the defense has has been solid. The the, the structure's been solid. It's all been about taking chances and scoring goals, and they just haven't done it. I mean, and, and uh, I don't really care what Yosalu has to do in two weeks to score a goal, but he better do it. I mean, he better, he better, because Old Trafford could be a, you know, could, could be an unwelcome place, you know, for, you know, for, you know, for, uh, for the Jordies. If uh, it is, it is on the, is it on the road, right? It is Old Trafford. It's not right? far away, yeah. Yeah. But the thing is, it'd be nice to see him actually score a goal, like a proper goal with a bit of style, a bit of swagger. But on the other hand, you don't you don't mind him getting a goal off his backside as long as he scores Absolutely. it. But I don't really care how he gets it. Like I thought, there could have been a couple of swagger goals. Uh, I thought Sue was immense. I, I you know I thought uh, of course uh, you know Matt Ritchie could have scored. I mean you know, those those were two really good saves for some you know side shots. Uh, I really wish Shelby could shoot better from from the center. That'd be kind of nice. You know, that would really give that would give Newcastle something that they're lacking because right now they're just not getting it from the front plate. So they're going to have to get it from someplace else. And uh, and, and I don't see Newcastle getting uh, you know getting getting slammed by you know by Man U just because the way Benitez is going to set the team up, he's going to set the team up. To, if they do lose, it's going to be one nil, you know, or, or two one. Uh, so that's been encouraging. But uh, uh, Amanda Stavely cannot come to this team's <laughs> rescue fast enough. Yeah, as we obviously talked about earlier, it's, got, it's gone very, very quiet. And as Neil says, it's, there's a lot of things in Newcastle you got to look at. It's not just Newcastle; it's the council and what deals he's got and. What he wants to keep in place, uh, you know, he's, that that's just the worst thing about a guy. Who, you know, we've got one of the, you know, we've got one of the biggest chances in the world, but with his head switched on when it comes to the business, especially with the fact that, you know, the Rangers have nearly gone into, you know, near, well, not going to say administration, but you know, they, they've had to pay back three, three, three paying back three million pounds that came out of their official records. You know, and that that's just to get that's just to get about, <laughs> and they're, they're having to take they're having to take more, give them back more money. So, you know, any any takeover, you, you you're gonna have to, you know, 
where, and again, where does the money come from? It's, it's in the, in the Middle East. It's like, oh, you know, a lot of Newcastle fans won't care. But uh, Qatar, until that's sorted out, uh, you, you'd have to think the money will be coming from Stavely. Really, essentially. Well, I mean, guys, it's they've got, of course, the coffers are huge in the Middle East, and, and Neil knows that as well. It's all about buying the right players. I mean, I don't think he's going to splash the cash, and he's not, he's not bringing in. This has driven me crazy. Who was the Brazilian that Man City, the, the, the Brazilian striker that Man City signed that was way past his prime, but it made one heck of a splash? Who was it? Rubinho? Rubinho. Rubinho. Ah. Yeah, remember? I mean, it was like, I mean, that was the first shot across the bow. But it did show that Man City was was, was serious, you know, that they got him. Remember, Rumor was he he thought he was seen in for Money Needed, though, wasn't he? (laughs) 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 Sure as well, huh? That is good. That is good stuff. He was confused when they gave him a blue shirt to put on. He didn't understand. It's so funny, isn't it? But those, I mean, I I would, like, I I love, I love Aubameyang. I think he's got so much pace. He scores goals. He'd be the kind of guy that that Rafa might be able to just say, hey, I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you the wages. I want you to come and I want you to bring this team to the next level, just like you've done to Borussia Dortmund. He'd be the guy that I would. I, I just keep thinking more more about him as a guy that uh, that, that I would love to see in a Newcastle shirt. But I, they need to get a striker like that, someone who is someone who is just gonna just gonna score goals for fun. It's been a long time since Newcastle's had somebody like that, and that's that's what the money needs to go towards. I, I think he'd be very very careful who he who he spends money on. And I, I would suggest until this all, if if and it's a big if Stavely take you know comes through for me. I I'm not convinced it might even happen really now. But um, when it comes to Newcastle United and Mike Ashley, we're in November now. You know he, he more he more or less said it himself, or the papers have said well he might be looking to get 20 million, um, and might be might have to bring his own, you know, make his own funds and, you know, I think Mitchell has been linked to a, a move back to his previous club, but that would be on loan. So, uh, you know, the fact that he's not playing, to me, is, you know, if you're playing, you, you play well, your total goes up. The fact that he's total, he's not playing, means that, okay, if we're going to have to get rid of him it's good, and it's going to be on loan, well, the team that he came, came from is not going to pay his astronomical wages he's probably still got. So <coughs> it is going to be interesting. And uh, I bring in my last guest this evening, uh, John, you cash fan. Good evening. How are you? <laughs> I think I, I, think I, I tell you, I just woke him up. <laughs> so hi, John. Uh, we've got, you've obviously got Chris Pye in America. You've got Neil in uh, Dubai, myself and Gateshead. So uh, we've been talking about different subjects tonight, as you've probably been hearing, and uh, uh, give me your thoughts on uh, lots of things going on, obviously, uh, the match itself, but we'll start with the match itself, then we'll get to uh, Dummett coming back, and what that could be changed, and, um, you know, the, the non-introduction of Mitrovic, give, give us your thoughts with with all of us listening in. I want to talk about um, Saturday's game, really, sort of thing, yeah. after I didn't, and, um, 
RCC in the highlights sort of thing. But um, we, um, well, as I say, we started quite well, didn't we, in the first half? And um, uh, Richie's on the way, of course, and that song cool, which is, that was, that was definitely in the hunt. Uh, that was a perfectly good goal, that like. But I'm surely now we've got to have this video replay sort of thing. There's some video TV replay sort of thing, just to check it out sort of thing. If it's on side or not, but it's definitely on side. And that really cost us the game, really. Because um, in the second half, we just um, we just totally lost our way a little bit, you know. And if it hadn't been for Rob Elliott and Gold, it could have been a bit disaster sort of thing. But, I mean, for me now, I mean, I talk about substitutions, like when... Um, he took off Hosselu off in the second half. I think it was Hosselu came off the second half. Rafa should have put on Mitrovic for the last half an hour or so. So once he put on Aruzzi, right, it was game over. He's never going to win that. Hello? 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 I'm listening. I'm listening. I, mean, I, I, I agree with what you just said, dude. I agree with what you just said. I mean, he, you know, the, it, it, uh, it kind of ended at that point. I mean, can you hear us now? Yeah, I can hear you just fine. Oh, sorry. No, I was just saying that, um, you know, once uh, I was going to say, once um, they took off Hostelu off there uh, um, for the second half, they, he should have put on Mitchell on just to try and win the game. But once they bring on Otzi on, then we're never going to win the game. And it's just poofed. Yeah, they... Murphy, I thought the Murphy switch was, we've talked about, I thought the Murphy switch was a little was a little rough. But, yeah, I just don't think he, I mean, I think Mitrovic could have been gone in the transfer window, and he wanted to get rid of him. And it's, you know, it's, it's kind of like uh, in the States whenever a new coach comes in mm. and he likes to bring his players. A lot of times the players from the former uh, staff, they're kind of dead men walking because they have to prove themselves, and they're not, like a lot of like he's going to live and die with Yosu because Yosalu is his guy. That's who he went and paid for. That's what he went and got. So Mitrovic wasn't his guy. Mitrovic was Pardue's guy. So I think that's I think that's mm-hmm. kind of what he's running into right now. Well, uh, it's a hard one, really. I mean, I mean, what Rafa's got to do now? No, he's not uh, Mitchell's man, sort of thing. He doesn't read it, sort of thing, or whatever, sort of thing. But at least he knows how to score goals and that sort of thing. But, I mean, let's kind of score goals. Hossu can't score goals. Gail, I, I mean, he's lost his golden touch in a minute, like. But, I mean, Mitchell will go on the pitch and he'll give him this all. But, I have to accept it now that Rafa, from Rafa, now that uh, Mitchell is finishing Newcastle, I just don't see him playing again. And it's a shame, no, really. I agree. Like, I, I agree. I think when I think that champion, what was it the uh, the, uh, the 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 cup match? I think he started in the cup match and just didn't. I think the cup match really sank a lot of Newcastle players who are fringe guys. Mm. That was going to be their chance to show him and to bring the fact that they got beat in that cup match. I, you could tell he was pissed at the at the end of that match uh, because I think that was that would have been a way to bring some of these other guys like. Beyond and get him a much better experience before you know instead of having to throw him into the fire in the Premiership and having me completely unprepared and un, you know unreliable. I think that I really think that that he, that hurt, and I think he's almost taking it out on some of those guys. Like you haven't seen Rolando Aaron's anywhere on the pitch either. And uh, you know I think because didn't Rolando Aaron's play in that match as well? That cup match that uh, he that had Newcastle. a good game. He had a good game as well, sort of by all accounts and. Um, 
oh, this is the thing. I mean, um, players like Rolando or um, Mitchell sort of thing. I mean, it's I'm not being funny. It's I don't think kidnapped or something because we're not heard from him at all whatsoever. Sort of thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, well, Neil, Neil was going to say something before. Go, go ahead, Neil. No, it all went a bit strange. This connection's a bit dodgy again, Andrew. <laughs> I didn't, <laughs> yeah, yeah. didn't, didn't, didn't catch all of what, what the tail end of what John said. I'm afraid. Oh well, we're just talking don't about worry, Rolando John, Aaron. Don't worry, and John, John and I've been, John and I've been taking over the broadcast while you two have gone. I've not done a bad, I've not done a bad job of that. <laughs> I think we have, John. I think you and I, I think you and I have shown that we can do this. <laughs> well, I, I left as well, actually. Wow. <laughs> to blow my nose. <laughs> no, no, I, I, I was like, John, John, John Hastings was like, is anybody there? I'm like, I'm here, John, let's do it. Let's do it. Neil is nowhere to be found. We got this. I don't know if Neil wants to tell me that's the neat like. I don't know. <laughs> so I was, was going to come on to Jacob Murphy as well, so I'm not being yeah. funny, right? But uh, don't get us off. I, Eddie Kane sort of thing, I thought he was going to do okay, but Jake Murphy, you'd be better off than Eddie Murphy, to be honest with you. Because every time he comes on, every time he comes on the pitch, I don't go so, I don't like Slayton players, but I don't know, he looks a bit lost, I don't know if he's ready for the premiership sort of thing, you know what I mean? But I think well, he, definitely, he definitely looked lost, he definitely looked lost on, he definitely looked lost on, uh, on Saturday. I mean, he looked like he was complete, it was, uh, I know you're. I know you're off the pace a little bit when you first come in a match, but he looked like someone that they had taken out of the crowd and said, "Hey, here's your chance to come play in a Premiership match." Yeah, I mean, you, I know you've been watching in the first half in the stands, but you know, <laughs> you, 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 you got the lucky yeah. ticket, and we made the drawing, and now you're in the match. It was, he was completely out of his depth. I don't think again with again with um Jacob. Right? I don't know if the club is too big for him. I don't know if the badges if we can't play if the badge is too heavy, then just don't join us for the next couple of years. Do you know what I mean? I just think that personally, I think he needs to get away on loan, probably next season for a year or two, and then come back a better, better player, more experienced at this moment in time. But I just think he's come at the, just at the wrong time. If I'm quite honest with you, I mean, I don't like slating him. I don't like slating any players. But like um, Chris just said, he looks a little wee bit lost. He really does. What do you think, uh, Neil Murphy and um, Rolando Aaron's? I think I know the answer for Rolando Aaron's. But go ahead, Neil. Well, Rolando Aaron's, uh, can we keep him fit? Where's his end product when he does play? Yeah. Flat as to deceive for me. Um, and and. Says a lot of positive things, but um, he needs to be delivering. Murphy, big price targets. The club he's always wanted to play for. There's a lot of factors going on there. Um, he may be one of these ones where, if we're saying his bloody brother, it settles him down. You never know. <laughs> yeah, possibly. There's all kinds going on there, and they're, they're still young kids, you know. Mm. And one of the things I think we badly need to put right now our club is the pastoral care of young players. Stop them going off the reels. How many how many talents do we lose? You know, uh, we're talking about Sunderland and Middlesbrough earlier. Yeah, young Tiver- James Tavernier's younger brother scored the winning goal in that that derby. He's he's now at at Borough. Tavernier disappeared uh, ultimately up the Rangers. Mm. Um, he was a massive talent when he was at the club, and he got Nile Rangers unfortunately, and we lost it. We lost a generation of them because of that idiot. 
who mm-hmm. put things in their heads and that and believed they were, they were bigger than what they were. So mm-hmm. you know, the, the, we need to handle these guys with care because <coughs> in both Murphy and Aaron's, <coughs> I'm going to use the potential word. Um, however, we need them to be delivering now. Aaron's has got a lengthy record of injuries for somebody of his age, and you know my opinion on that with young players: lifestyle, lifestyle, lifestyle. Um, it, it's time and time and time again. It's proven to be what one of the biggest factors. Um, whereas Murphy, like I say, maybe he's, maybe he's got a point about the shirt feeling heavy on his shoulders a little bit. Um, maybe he needs to get a goal or to do something special and create a goal, and suddenly he'll be a different player on the pitch. Um, <coughs> it's, we just have to wait and see and be as patient as we can be while it's hoping that they're going to deliver something in the not-too-distant future. Uh, actually, the one thing that stood out to me, say, I think Roland Aaron has got a court case coming up. I think that's a problem. I think that's probably the main issue, I think, what's going on with him. But um, I think... Uh, what happens when you go up with your auntie? Yeah, it's, 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 that's the thing, you know. I've always been a fan of Roland Aaron's, and he's got a trick in him, and he can go by, he can go by players. and But that's the thing, you got Atsu in front of him, but, you know... Could he could he get past Atsu? Well, you know, I think you know Rafa sees it, doesn't he? If he, if he thinks he's one week the better player, mm. he would play around Aaron's. It's quite obvious, isn't it? Because he gave him a five-year deal, so um, I think there's more to come from him. I think I think Rafa just wants to see him play every day. I would suggest, and uh, if he's play, if he's played every day and he's uh, or he's playing the under-23s wherever he's played. He just wants to see a player with that many injuries, uh, you know, look like he can take on players in the first team. And you know, you, you, you never hear him. I, I, don't, I don't even think he was on the bench, was he? So he's not that no, close. He wasn't. Yeah, no, he wasn't. He wasn't. So, but guys, I don't think he's going to take. He's not going to take the spot of Richie or Atsu. I mean, he just isn't. Atsu, look, if Atsu could just improve his crossing, yeah. I think he would be absolutely perfect for Newcastle right now because he's bombing down the side. Mm-hmm. He is he is creating <coughs> constant problems, you know, for the you know for the backs you know, for the for the left back or the right back, depending on which side he want to play him on. I th- I think he's been fantastic. He's been magnificent. He just he just hasn't put a cross in. Yeah, but even if he does, there's never anybody in the box to put anything in anyway. So that's the problem too. Yeah, I agree. It's going to be, it's going to be interesting. Probably one thing we should look out for: um, Chelsea today lost Michael Imalo, uh, one of their uh, technical directors. Now, I saw on Twitter somebody say he gets on quite well with Rafa Benitez. So, and I don't know much about this fella, but uh, uh, that might be something to look at when it comes to Newcastle in the near future. Uh, He's quite well. He thought of it, Chelsea, and he's quite good. Um, very got on quite well with Obradovich. So it's in, that could be something to watch in the near future. Newcastle United fans with with players coming in and out in the, in the next few months. So we should take a look at that. Uh, well, thanks everybody coming on the show tonight. I think uh, we obviously won't be here for the national break if, of course, um, there is a takeover. We will be on next Monday as per usual. But thanks everybody for coming on tonight, guys, uh, Chris and um, and John and my other guests, Scott Wilson with uh, Gary Foster 
uh, and obviously Neil Mitchell as well tonight. So thanks so much for coming on, everybody, tonight, and we'll catch you next week. Well, next two weeks, okay? Thanks, gentlemen. Cheers, Cheers lad. Cheers, lad. Cheers, lad. Bye, Remember, if you want to listen back to any of the show with my guests, my co-host Neil Mitchell and myself, with our various guests, go to www.toontalk.co.uk, hit the button and you can listen to us on all things Newcastle United, Sunderland, Middlesbrough, and of course, the breaking news today on West